Greetings, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Today, as promised earlier in the week, I will be discussing the newest set of TLM restrictions by Pope Francis on us, the TLM faithful, those who well understand the supremacy of the Tridentine Latin Mass over the Novus Ordo. Also, there's a little bit of a development with this. One of the good bishops, Bishop Tobin, that's not to be confused with Cardinal Tobin, has called out Pope Francis on Twitter for this. As Pope Francis clamps down on faithful Catholics, those who attend the TLM by and large, he is loosening the screws on the other side of the world in Abu Dhabi, his Abrahamic Joint Worship Center. Uh, it's not his, but he's endorsed it heavily. And it runs alongside a kind of credo of his Abu Dhabi statement. That is up and running. And I was reading from a LifeSite article on it this morning, now that it's up and going. So he's tightening the screws on TLM Catholics. He's loosening the screws on joint worship with Jews and Muslims in, in a way that's really violent, basically paganism. It's bordering on violating the admonition against uh, worshiping false gods in the first commandment. And it's seeming more and more and more smasonic. <laughs> Let's say that. I, I'm not saying I know what's in Pope Francis's heart. I'm not saying any of us do. But the Joint Worship Center story, which is also on LifeSite, as is the Bishop Tobin story, really insinuates something not good about what Francis is trying to do by rolling together the three Abrahamic faiths. Finally, of course, the third story is there's a little bit of good news in all of this, and it's what I've been telling you, parish orphans and retrogrades, the silver lining seems to be. A faithful, powerful priest that works with the cardinals insinuates strongly that the next conclave will be much more conservative. Why? Linear thinkers go like this. Francis is bad. He's had tons of consistories of cardinals, so the next pope will be just like him. Exponential thinkers think, well, Francis is bad. The, the, the next pope, because of all the consistories that have emplaced by Francis, tons of cardinals just like him will be way, way, way worse than Francis. And three-dimensional thinkers, I try to be one, say, wait a minute. The more that Francis emplaces guys like Heiner Wilmer, James Martin S.J., uh, uh, the, the Synod on Synodalities leaders, uh, particularly its two Northern European leaders, uh, Cardinal Roche cracks down on the TLM in really brutal ways, the British Cardinal. All of these stories lead to the hapless Cardinals. Hard to believe they're that hapless. Finally waking up. You always think, well, they've got to be evil if they're with Francis after 10 years, because how could they not understand what he's doing? But it turns out if this third story, also from LifeSite News, is accurate, that lots of these cardinals are just fat, happy, contented. Remember, Caesar wanted men about him who are fat, happy, and contented, according to the bard. Uh, 
they actually didn't know how bad this was, and they're only waking up after a decade of Francis's skullduggery. I'm going to read you some from, from that story. I would say all of these Francis stories are at least conceptually related. We'll do all three in just one second. One thing, click subscribe on this channel, please. That way you can figure out if you no click the notification bell as well when we're having a video. Like this video. Leave a comment on this video. There's lots to talk about on this one. I don't always ask you for comments. Today's video is important. I want to know what you think about Francis. But like it and subscribe and click the notification bell as well. We want to hit 50,000 by the end of the summer. That's our goal. 50,000 subs. Okay? Secondly, go to realestateforlife.org. Get out of your blue state. Get to a red state today. Do like I did. I got from the bluest of the blue to the reddest of the red. Go to the blood red swath of states, I suggest, between Texas and Florida. That's where I went. It's a much different life. I'm not just saying it. Do I push other products on this channel? Rarely. I want you to get out of your blue state and to one of these particular red states here today. Go to realestateforlife.org. It is the best thing you can possibly do. We are so happy. We came to Mississippi because it's the cheapest state and one of the most beautiful, unsung beautiful states. Find your Mississippi today. Maybe it's actually Mississippi. Maybe it's Alabama. Maybe it's Georgia. Maybe it's the great Florida. Who knows? Go to realestateforlife.org and find out. It's a fun prospect to pick up and move rather than move only because your company tells you to. Finally, as you all know, about three weeks ago, I was canceled by Patreon for not compromising, for not budging by taking down three videos they didn't like about Skittles and the Skittles lifestyle and Skittles bishops and what Francis said about decriminalizing Skittles behavior. I'm not going to compromise in that way and therefore I'm deplatformed on Patreon. About half my Patrons, thank you very much. Switched over to Locals or Subscribestar. Patreon knew they could hit me because they knew about the other half of them wouldn't really hear the story or would forget to do so. So if you want to support this channel, we need it and we appreciate it. Go to Locals or Subscribestar instead. Or you can go to timothyjgordon.com and click Donate. Thank you very much. Another free service that corresponds with the third pillar of the retrograde four pillars, subsidiarity, patriarchy, education, meaning homeschool, and licit legal rabble-rousing. Those are the four. Of course, you have to pull your kids out of school, pull your wife out of her job. Everyone should be at the home during the day. You, the patriarchy, go to work if you have to. Your wife is home homeschooling during the day. We are teaching young Catholic wives and mothers how to homeschool their kids. In some cases, even ones that have sent their kids to school for years. A class began two days ago on Tuesday. It's a four-session class on how to create your own homeschool. It's everything you need to do it yourself and not to be reliant on homeschool curricula, which is a contradiction in terms. There should be some more space in that free class. We give it to you free. All we ask is an unrelated consideration for becoming a, a Locals or Subscribestar 
patron or a or a donation but but it's unrelated we mainly want to help that's why we're giving more and more of our retrograde classical academy classes away for free okay let's get to pope francis the pope splainers still out in full force are telling us that hold on i lost my place here are telling us business as usual Pope Francis is good. He doesn't hate traditional Catholics. He doesn't hate anyone at all. He is the vicar of Christ, and he is the best man on earth drawing breath, or something like that. Or, well, he might not be the holiest guy out there, but he's holy, and we have to trust the process. Well, we're 10 years in, almost to the day. We're almost to the day, February 27th. And 10 years later, we are in a serious situation. Maybe I'll do these stories in reverse order. The situation is so serious. I'm going to go in reverse order instead of going one, two, three, the order I announced them. I'm going to go three, three, two, one. What? Fancy. Fancy. Call it. Here's a LifeSite News article out today. I just, I just love LifeSite News. This is written by Kennedy Hall. College of Cardinals in turmoil amid chaos of Francis Papacy says an eminent priest. Good, uh, good informative article here, LifeSite and Kennedy. Tip of that. Certainly half of the cardinal electors and many bishops are convinced we cannot go on this way, Pope Splainers, as it's been for 10 years, and change is needed to put the church in order if she is to remain Catholic. Has this ever been said before? If the church is to remain Catholic. For those Pope-splainers and Pope-splainer adjacents out there that say, the Arian crisis is way worse than what we're going through now. They were not saying that the very church herself was under the threat of changing into something non-Catholic. They held the first ecumenical council in Nicaea. They said, here's what it is to be Catholic. They weren't worried that the church herself would become something non-Catholic. A father, according to Father Nicola Bux, former consultor to both the CDF and Congregation for the uh, Causes of Saints, there is, quote, turmoil in the College of Cardinals, and it may be likely that the next pope will be conservative. Edward Penton, by the way, tweeted this out this morning. No, sorry, a couple mornings ago. There's turmoil in the College of Cardinals, says Father Bucks. Penton tweeted out. A couple mornings ago, he wrote that. Catholic journalist Penton interviewed Father Bucks. Thank you very much, Obi-Wan Kenobi Penton, about the situation in Rome regarding the eligible electors in the College of Cardinals. And Bucks believes that the crisis in the church makes the election of another progressive unlikely. I told you, there's linear thinkers that say the next pope will be as bad as Francis, a clone. There's the, uh, the exaggerative kinds of thinkers in the church that think exponentially, say, oh, the next pope's going to be four times worse. And then there's the three-dimensional thinkers. You always want to try to be in this group. And I'm trying to be in that group. And I've been saying, as things have gotten worse under Francis, that there's more hope. The best thing that could happen, I've been uh, talking behind the scenes with Dr. Micah Hickson, hat tip, Miss Hickson. I've been talking to Diane Montagna, hat tip, Diane. Uh, some other friends behind the scenes at LifeSite 
what happened to the Heiner Wilmer story? Because that is a catastrophe if he becomes the number two in the church. And a catastrophe is good in the sense that the college cardinal at the next conclave, college of cardinal cardinals at the next conclave, that's a lot of C's, because of their consistories, will be red-pilled. Oh, if it hasn't happened now, it, what could ever do it? I know, I've, I've tended at some times in this pontificate toward despair in that particular, under that particular heading. But also I know there is no Pope explaining Heiner Wilmer as the prefect for the CDF. He did it nearly on Christmas Eve Eve. He nearly did it right after New Year's, after Benedict died. And now we're waiting to see, will Francis do this? He's going to tip the scales right over with him, with the synod on synodality, with the, the general German synodal way, with his bullying, hateful bullying of the TLM Catholics. We're going to talk about that in a second. With what Roche says, the main instrument of the TLM bullying by Francis is Cardinal Roche. He beats up on the TLM Catholics. And with our, our last story today, the Masonic seeming, sorry, Smasonic seeming worship center. Um, I think these cardinals have been red-pilled. Heiner Wilmer elevated to the CDF would be the, the gem in the crown of these slow-witted cardinals that are only getting red-pilled a year later. Such that Bucks believes the crisis in the church makes the election of another progressive unlikely. I actually agree. A lot of times when you guys are saying, oh, this is good, I'm saying, no, 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 it's actually bad. Here, it's the opposite. You're saying out there, oh man, things couldn't be worse. I'm like, yes, the situation, the crisis couldn't be worse. And therefore, it's actually woken up even the very dormant sleepyheads out there. Like cardinals that would still say, have said things were good even after Amoris Laetitia, which was the real coming out of this pontificate, 2016. Three years in, amigos. Father Bucks told Penton that he believed a shift to the political right globally could be reflected in a change of leadership in the church. Doesn't that sound amazing? It also makes sense. Parish orphans and retrogrades. Certainly, world power is going to the right, he told Penton. A crisis like the one going on in the West requires only conservative powers of the world to solve them. Buck sounds like a good man. The progressive part of the left only knows how to create the problems, like the pandemic. One might therefore be able to foresee a form of restoration, even in the supreme moral authority, the Pope, on which the new Western power will want to lean. This is based. Bucks gets it, even if he was asleep for a long time. He told Penton the church is riddled with apostasy. <whistles> Sounds like a great apostasy, if you will which he called the precursor to schism. Penton asked Bucks if he thought we have reached a point of no return, and Bucks replied with an anecdote. Not an antidote. This isn't the Legend of Zelda, but an anecdote, a story. <laughs> a non-religious friend of mine, he said, speaking to me a few months ago about the success of the Pope Francis, said he saw it as a challenge between St. Michael the Archangel, confronting the challenger who had said, non serviam, that's the devil if you didn't know, answering him, quis ut deus, who is like God, who's like unto God, the literal meaning of the name Michael, like unto God. His friend concluded by telling him, but if the church is God's work, is this not the time for him to intervene? 
Bucks also said that despite the fact that Francis has said that he loves the criticism from those who speak to his face, he does not respond to those who speak to him even politely. We all know this is true. Think of Cardinal Burke and Branmuller with their dubia. Two of their friends who joined them in submitting those dubia are now dead. They died awaiting an answer from the Pope. This situation has, in Buck's estimation, created strife amongst the cardinals who are eligible to vote. He said, certainly half of the cardinal electors and many bishops are convinced that we cannot go on this way and that change is needed to put the church in order if she used to remain Catholic. That is the starkest statement imaginable. He added that he believed the crux of the crisis pertains to the collapse of the liturgy and that restoration of the church lies in the reform of the liturgy. Buck's statements come as Pope Francis has doubled down on his persecution of the traditional Latin Mass. Now, I love all this. I love the story. I love the trajectory. This is actually from yesterday, not this morning. Uh, Kennedy Hall wrote this Wednesday, Feb 22, in the afternoon, late afternoon. So sometimes I'll call a late afternoon story from the previous day a morning story from today. If you want to check it out, it's on Life Site. College of Cardinals in Turmoil Amid Chaos of Francis Papacy, Eminent Priest, says. It's implied. I love all this, okay? It's all good. But here's the thing. I'm not, I'm, this is the rules for retrogrades twist on this. I've never bought that the primary cause, the prime mover in all of the strife in the Catholic Church was onset by liturgy. I think it is a really a most important secondary cause for the hell that's been unleashed in the church over the last hundred years. And I do say hundred years because there's so much evidence that in the 20s, 30s, 40s, we were having Bella Dodd communist Soviet Marxist plants in the seminaries that I, I'm not going to dignify anyone who gainsays this by saying only the 60s in the council. The council might have been partly the product of that, but you've heard me say this a million times, right? The liturgy is the second most important reason that we're in such a bad situation. The, the Novus Ordo, yes, it's bad, yes. Taking away the clearly superior TLM is bad. The prime cause, though, my friends, even if we get the TLM back and we abolish the Novus Ordo and we, we eliminate the evil empire... By, uh, of, of bad liturgy. People's lives are not going to significantly improve Catholics, traditional Catholics, Novus Ordo Catholics, former Novus Ordo Catholics in this imaginary world until the primary cause for their depletion, their deficiencies, is removed. And that primary cause is the attack on patriarchy. Christianity is patriarchy. Clerical patriarchy, yeah, the bishops have to stop being and acting like queens. The household patriarchs have to stop being and acting like straight queens, letting their wives run the show. In so many ways, I've been shown since I published The Case for Patriarchy, and more than that, since Steph published Ask Your Husband, go buy this book, give it as a gift if you don't have it yet, or read it, then give it as a gift if you don't have it yet. I've been shown that 
traditional Catholics are almost as badly beset by feminism as the Novus Ordo Church. This was a new revelation for me two to three years back when I was researching, publishing, stumping this book, and then seeing what happened to Steph's book. So, okay, okay. so I mean, this isn't a, a patriarchy feminism show today, but it's very important aside. We need to get, I mean, we can't do it. The bishops can. They need to get rid of the Novus Ordo and give us the TLM back. I don't know how to lobby for that. And that's precisely the point, I'm afraid, with too many trads. It's a blame allocation issue. It's fun to be like, hey, there's nothing more I can do, but I still have my trad bona fides. There's nothing I can do. I bitch all the time about the Novus Ordo. That makes me a trad, bitching about the Novus Ordo. So do I. And people, I have people out there every day lying that I like the Novus Ordo or I supported the article that uh, my brother David wrote. I mean, I couldn't be further removed from it. I couldn't understand it any, an ounce more, a, a whit more than, than any of you. I couldn't understand what would move him to write this. No, I hate it. But bitching about the Novus Ordo and loving the beautiful hour a week that you spend at a TLM, an hour a week, 24 times 7, that's 167 hours a week, right? No, yeah, 167 hours a week. And I, I don't understand. I don't, well, that's got to be 168 hours a week. I, whatever it is. How is one of those hours spent receiving the Eucharist in, under the TLM instead of receiving the Eucharist under the Novus Ordo supposed to make your whole life ordered if it's disordered because you're, you're, you know, men aren't running their households? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. But it's fun. It's easy. It's very easy to be like, I'm a trad. I bitch about the Novus Ordo. Whereas reforming your household, if you have a feminist wired household the way 98% of Catholic households are, trad or Novus Ordo, that's the big reveal for me the last couple of years. Most trad households are still being run in a feminist way by women. Check some of the responses I got on Twitter last week when we were talking about the conjugal debt and other patriarchy-related themes. It was mostly women responding. It was mostly women, a few kind of... Usual suspects of, of, of dames online, e-girl, you know, TLM-loving e-girls online that take issue with patriarchy. The main way that this vocation, the vocation, the lower vocation, being a householder, being a, a lay patriarch, is supposed to operate. So at some point, trads are going to have to get hip to this. And, and the only ones... If you talk about all these competing tribes in the church, clans, don't use that term too loosely because now that we know the FBI is looking into us, right? Clans with a C. Let's just call it tribes, right? <laughs> um, the, the retrogrades are the only ones that get it all. We got four pillars to work on. Subsidiarity, not big government. Patriarchy, not 
crypto-feminism the way a lot of trad Catholic households have. Education. And the, the TLM is part of that. The liturgy fits into that. It's part of the way you have an ongoing evangelization, education of your kids. TLM and homeschool and not planning for college for most, most of your 95% of the future students out there or trade current school. students. Right, trade school or something else. And then legal licit rabble-rousing is the fourth one. You got to have all of these together or else you're going to be some extreme, some Benedict option kind of pacifist that's just out planting a garden running away from, from a fight you were supposed to stand your ground in. You'll do the Rod Dreher thing. And a lot of those people leave the church. I, a lot of those are smart people. Steve Skojic, Rod Dreher. I think good, smart enough men that just, they only have that element. The kind of do your own thing. Subsidiarity mixed with homeschool. No, that's not it. You've got to be a patriarch. A lot of these bad ideas are coming in the household from, from the wives running them. Or from men having their thought conditioned by the wives, and then maybe they speak up. It's just an effeminate mode of thought. Okay, so Bucks is right. Cardinal Bucks is right. Penton's right. We certainly need a return to the TLM. It will happen eventually, but we can't be surrogate pseudo-trads by making this all about the liturgy. And this is related, by the way, to the... This is very related to the question of Francis beating down TLM Catholics. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about one of the good bishops we don't get to complain about, we shouldn't want to complain about, Bishop Joseph Tobin. Thomas Tobin, sorry. Cardinal Tobin is Joseph. Cool, which one is it? Yeah, this is great. Uh, You want to read that? Yeah, sorry. Um, let's see. So Tobin said this on Twitter, which is on your screen right now. He yeah. said, this was on the 21st, he said, the way the Vatican is dealing with the traditional Latin mass does not seem to me to be the style of God. Pope Francis himself has emphasized that those who are attached to the TLM should be, quote, accomplished, listened to, and given time. Yeah, com- accompanied. Oh, accompanied, yeah. listened to, and given. Right. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's pointing out that Francis is a, a giant hypocrite. Okay. Uh, this is pretty obvious. If you, if you didn't know this, then, you know, welcome to 2023. Welcome to 20, welcome to 2013, really, if you didn't notice this. <laughs> Sorry. Um, Francis is a giant hypocrite. He doesn't accompany those whom he needs to be accompanying. Catholics. He wants to accompany... I guess Jews and Muslims and atheists. That's why he's got uh, these, like a worship center for Jews and Muslims, and I'm sure atheists are welcome there. Okay? So, so there's that. And Tobin's like, in the nicest way possible, saying Francis is a ginormous hypocrite. You ought to know this. Pope Francis has emphasized that those who are attached to the TLM should be accompanied, listening, listened to, and given time, Tobin said, as Steph just read. Now, that's about all he did. He sent a tweet just to let him know I'm there, taking up space. The conservative bishop wrote on Twitter, the way the Vatican is dealing with them doesn't seem to be the style of God. Now, take this any way you like it. Steph already read it. That could be, hey, you're being ungodly. What? I said I read it badly. No, you read it great. <laughs> 
that lovely, beautiful voice, mellifluous voice, even uh, reading accompanied and accomplished uh, interchangeably <laughs> sounds lovely to me. But no, I'm serious, man. We knew what you meant. The point is, though, why does it take one of the more outspoken American prelates to say something so obvious that this is not godly? If Tobin's truly outspoken, could he be insinuating a little more? I am curious. I am curious. Um, it's not godly. The Pope is generally charged with speaking and teaching godly things. Is he... Is there a seedling of doubt in the minds of the more red-pilled bishops? Could Francis be? And I don't know. I don't have an answer. I claim epistemic humility. I'm going to claim it all the way to the bank when it comes to Francis's outrages. But he, he doesn't seem like a man of God. Saying that the way Tobin has here and anyone with half a brain has said over the last 10 years might mean... It's a possibility. Later, he, we might find out that he wasn't actually a man of God. But he, he, for now, we presume he is. And I, it's strange that I seem to be the only one saying it this way. We don't know in real time. Popes, if there's uh, some issue with their pontificate, with the validity of their pontificate, you find out after, not during or before. Are you old stroking your beards and clucking your tongues and tearing at your garments because I'm saying that? No, because retrogrades are based. You guys know what's up. But there are people out there that treat that, that like a big deal. When someone is this off, off of true north, it's like he's following his own compass that doesn't point north, Francis, right? We've always known this. He would be the most $3 bill pope in the history of 266 popes. No, by far. There's no close second. So maybe he's just, I don't know, maybe we'll find out later there's a serious issue with the validity of his pontificate. But for now, let's assume, no, he is Pope, and he's just kind of leading the great apostasy. Well, that is also, in a sense, possible. All I've said along the way is, here's the facts, fact, 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 fact. Now here's some commentary. Here's some of my opinions. Stay on the bark. Keep going to church. Keep going to, more important than almost anything, confession. Keep saying the creed until we know something definite. He's definitely a bad guy. Now, is he a bad guy pope imposter or is he a bad guy pope? I'm assuming he's just a bad guy pope. It's really clear. Tobin seems to be saying as much. This isn't godly behavior. That is the nicest possible way of saying this guy's evil. Tobin's criticisms in this other LifeSite article uh, written by Louis Knufke, his criticism of the Vatican come in response to the Rome's an uh, announcement this week that the Pope has confirmed restrictions that Cardinal Arthur Roche, prefect of the Dicastery for Divine Worship, wished to impose on bishops throughout the world regarding permissions to celebrate the Latin Mass. Here's the proof that Francis is acting in bad faith. He thought he could abolish the TLM by giving the bishops the power to do so, undoing 2007's motu proprio Samorum Pontificum, which gave them the power, took away the power to undo it from them. And over the last two years, 
most of those bishops, even the centrist ones, were like, no, we'll, we'll leave the Latin Mass communities alone. We only have one or two Latin Mass parishes in my diocese, Holy Father. Then I'm, I'm being a bishop now talking to him. I don't really want to mess with them. Francis is like, no, no, feel free to. Wink, wink. And they're like, no, we're good. Thanks. Peace. We're going to leave him. That's what most of them were, except from the fruitiest bishops out there. Even the left of center ones left it in place. Thank you very much, bishops. That was wise. So now Francis, in bad faith, is coming over the top, acting with Cardinal Roche, Congregation for Divine Worship. No, I'm not going to call it the Dicastery for Divine Worship. And the, the mask is off. They're wishing to impose on bishops throughout the world some strong restrictions that have been confirmed this past week that they are going to just take it away. What happened to, if I were a bishop, I'd be like, uh, question over here, Holy Father. What happened to all that subsidiarity? You wanted to give power back to the bishops to decentralize the Roman Curia and the Roman Catholic Church structure, universally speaking, in the universal church. What changed since Traditionis Custodis? You said it was up to us if we wanted to get rid of the Latin Mass in our diocese. We could. Well, we don't want to. What's changed? Francis would never be asked that. See, this is the kind of simple yet high-quality thinking that happens in the secular conservative world that doesn't happen that much in the right-wing Catholic world. It's frustrating to me. It's the kind of stuff you get by studying in a, a good Thomistic philosophy program or studying in a good law program. It's, it's yeah, I'm a Catholic, but I, I want to reason about these things the way conservatives would, the way, say, Tucker Carlson would. The, uh, the restrictions require that a diocesan bishop obtain permission from the Vatican. This is the opposite of subsidiarity, which Francis said he was doing traditionis custodis in the name of. From the Vatican, permission is now required to allow the celebration of the Latin Mass in a parish church and a grant to a priest ordained after the promulgation of T.C., the permission to celebrate the Latin Mass. As LifeSite has reported this week, following the publication of TC and Roche's subsequent responsa, some diocesan bishops invoked Canon 87, Section 1, in order to allow a parish church to be used for the traditional Latin Mass since this had been banned under the Pope's document. By using Canon 87, a bishop can dispense from universal and particular disciplinary laws for the faithful in his diocese when he deems that it contributes to their spiritual good. This sounds like synodality, does it not? You Does not the invocation of Canon 87, Section 1, sound like what Francis claims to want? I want bishops to, to take control. I don't want the whole church to all be uniform in undue ways. Well, discipline's the perfect forum for this to play out. Hey, Holy Father, you don't know my, my diocese here in New Orleans. Where I, where I attend the Mass, the TLM. You don't know this. Bishop of New Orleans can just say, you know, so butt out. You want synodality, right? Isn't it a synodal church? Pope Francis says no. As LifeSite has reported, Cardinal Roche sent letters to bishops telling them they could not invoke synodality-loving Canon 87 to dispense from the application of Traditionis Custodis regarding the celebration of the Latin Mass in a parish church a claim that was contradicted by canon lawyers versed in the particulars of the canon law. Roche has shown himself extremely hostile toward Catholics who wish to worship according to the ancient liturgy of the Roman Rite, calling them more Protestant than Catholic. This is retarded. 
The Pope's confirmations of Roche's restrictions come as the remnant reported that it is confirmed from sources within the Vatican that Pope Francis is currently reviewing a draft document aimed at entirely abolishing the celebration of the Tridentian Mass. That's supposed to happen Holy Monday. What is that, late March or early April? That's supposed to happen Holy Monday. But this middle kind of bridge between Traditionis Custodis and the Responsa, and on the other hand, what's supposedly coming down the pike on Holy Monday, total abolition of the TLM, is informed by this new story of um, that, that, that broke this week. Implications direct to the TLM. So while the Pope is tightening the screws on us TLM Catholics, he is loosening the screws. He backs this interreligious Abrahamic family house in Abu Dhabi. Remember where he released the heretical statement that he had to explain away later that God wills the diversity of all religions. Direct to say God wills with his wise will. The diversity of all religions is a direct violation of the first commandment. Steph is going through all of the Old Testament now. What happens when leaders, when religious leaders, I'm thinking of Moses, directly violates the commandment against worshiping other gods? Moses was not allowed to enter the Holy Land, was he, Steph? Nope, just to look at it. <laughs> Take a peek. Francis has had more of a, more than just a peak, 10 years. And if he goes through with this Abu Dhabi Abrahamic family house, sounds like pagan worship. Sounds Masonic. It's Masonic. It's home to Catholic, Muslim, and Jewish centers of worship and is a direct consequence of Francis's Abu Dhabi document. This is also an article from this morning, 10.02 a.m., written by Michael Haynes. The United Arab Emirates Abrahamic Family House opened last week with an interreligious meeting as Catholics, Muslims, and Jews held their first ceremonies in the multi-faith center desired by Pope Francis and the Grand Imam of Al-Azhar, Al-Khmed Al-Tayyib. On Feb 16th, the Abraham Family House held the inaugural ceremony to mark the grand opening of the center, which was directly born out of the 2019 Abu Dhabi document which contained at least material heresy, matter of fact, on human fraternity signed by both Francis and Ahmed Al-Tayeb during the Pope's 2019 visit to the UAE. Comprising a church, a mosque, and a synagogue for the so-called Abrahamic religions, the AFH saw Catholic, Muslim, and Jewish leaders and representatives as well gathered for the site's opening ceremony on Sadiyat Island in Abu Dhabi. Cardinal Miguel Angel Ayuso Guixo, uh, current president of the Pontifical Council for Interreligious Dialogue, why do we even have that, said that the AFH is a concrete example for people of different religions, cultures, traditions, and beliefs to return to the essential. Love of neighbor. Why, in order to love our neighbor, I know it's a tired point, but I'm going to say it anyway, why do we have to worship with them? They are worshiping false gods, or at least falsely under drastic, drastic, drastically false pretexts, the one God, depending on, depending on your theological view of this. I'm not trying to open a theological thing on diversity of religions. But, but the Abrahamic faiths, at least this is Jews and Muslims, who do worship the one God, according to Pope Pius X. 
Pope Pius X says they, they do worship the one God, not even just one God. Okay, but they worship him in a way that is not going to ensure their salvation, according to longstanding Catholic teaching. Why do we have to worship with them to love them? If we really love them, why don't we convert them? The pictures of it is on, on, on Twitter. Too, right? It's heinous. Yeah. It looks as bad as the Paul VI Center. It's like a big square. It's a big square. It's got that, like, what is that, bat dung in the lower right-hand corner? Is that, <laughs> is, that some, is that some thing that they do, religious worship in third world countries? Does it involve guano? To I'm be fair. Of Ace Ventura too. To be fair, the bat dung would be an improvement on this building. The bat dung would, would be, be an improvement, improvement on the Paul VI Center, which has apocalyptic Jesus, and it's built like the head of a snake. Bat dung's not as evil. But this is bad, too. So this is about love of neighbor. This, in my estimation, pagan, Masonic, co-religionist worship, this mind melt of the three Abrahamic faiths into one. That's really what it seems like. And I think it's happening in preparation for Agenda 2030, in conjunction with Project Bluebeam, which is almost certainly underway now. Look that up, if you will. Project Bluebeam, all the world religions are supposed to be melded into one, as you have fake news in 19 and 20, and there's going to be some more fake news in 2023 and 2024. Big new story. They're rolling the world religions together, the one true one with all the other fake ones. This will be a place which promotes dialogue and mutual respect and acts in the service of human fraternity as we walk the paths of peace together, said the Cardinal. Wait, you want to promote dialogue and respect? What about Bishop Tobin's email or tweet? Francis doesn't dialogue and respect, dialogue with and respect TLM Catholics, his own spiritual children in his faith. Why would he dialogue with and respect false religionists? Well, there's an answer to that. There's an answer to that. You know what it is. You'd say with, with friends like this, who needs enemies? That's what we've been saying about Pope Francis for 10 years. He says that too. Pope Francis says, with friends like these TLM goers, I prefer my enemies. Maybe they're not enemies at all. I mean, religious enemies. I don't mean we have to go fight them. We don't. We're not supposed to. <laughs> Unless it's in, under the context of some just war, which isn't at all happening right now. But there, there, there are spiritual enemies because they're worshiping the wrong people. We have to convert them. But Francis says, well, friends like these TLM Catholics, they're totally different from me. I like these guys over here. These motifs were echoed by Professor Mohammed al Marasawi, the co-chair of Higher Committee for Human Fraternity and former president of Al-Azhar University. Linking to the center... Uh, linking the center to the Abu Dhabi document, Al-Marazawi said that the AFH is a true reflection of the provisions of the document on human fraternity, which calls for insurance, ensuring peaceful coexistence. Coexist. Sweet bumper sticker. I'm sure Pope Francis has that on his car. Coexist. Groovy. Yeah, I'm scanning this for... So, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Uh, there's a question. Um, if you would like to sure. answer it. Okay, 
bust in here with the super chats, guys. We don't we don't call out the super chats often. <laughs> there's a question um, from earlier. It says, um, "Can you ask Tim if there's reading materials or anything he recommends we can give to our diocesan TLM priests to resist this imposition?" I uh, no, I don't look. I mean, you guys you guys know my stance on this. The the TLM priests, my my boys. I mean, I have so many TLM priests, FSSP especially, on cell, on lock. This is, you know, we, we communicate behind the scenes. Diocesan TLM priests, too. These are my homies. What, what can they do? They can't do anything. They're waiting to see what comes down the pike. Okay? There's, not, there's nothing they can do. They filed the responsa under Canon 87. That was the right move to make, by the way. I wasn't aware of it at the time, but bishops were like, "Hey, we're not, we're not. Um, this this falls under this legal constitutional set of exceptions. We don't, we can do an initial try to not follow this universal sacramental rule." Pope Francis laid out. They did it, and then Congregation of Divine Worship comes over the top and says, "No, that that isn't included. There's nothing more to do." People, if you want to take action. Good. Tend to patriarchy in your homes. Whether we have... TLM's the best. Let me say this 50 more times. TLM's the best. TLM's the best. The Novus Ordo is the worst. But whether we have TLM or Novus Ordo going forward into the next millennium, Christendom will be fine if households are led by a priest of the ecclesiola. If they're led by a household priest, prophet, king, that's the man. That means he's got to be tough. He's got to be virtuous. He's got to be kingly. He's gotta, his whole life has to revolve around his wife and kids. It's a tall order. He's got to be willing to die for them at any moment. He's got to educate his kids, run the homeschool kind of from afar. Even if the mom directs it, uh, he directs it, she runs it. He's got to be all about his wife and kids. Total lifestyle change. I'm not an anti-sports guy. The trads make fun of me because I love basketball and football, but I go out there and I teach my kids basketball. Even the girls, yes, because they, they like playing in our driveway. I teach them basketball plays. We have basketball drills out there. They come in and they watch the NBA with me. It's a, Everything I do is a family activity, and I'm not saying I'm the exemplar. But the book, Case for Patriarchy, the book, Ask Your Husband, these are the exemplary things. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but I try to live out the book that I've written and that Steph's written. You can't golf eight hours every weekend, though, or 16 hours every weekend, 12 hours every weekend, the way some guys are. That, if, that, if you work nine to five, like most men, you work outside of the home like 60% of men, even after COVID, weekends are sacred time for your family. A king spends that time with not only the wife, because there's extra bonuses with the wife, right? So you want to be romantic with her. You got, yeah, you got to tend to that. But you need to spend that time with your kids. So 8, 12, 16 hours per weekend, precious daylight hours, your only daylight hours to be with your family if you work outside the home, then. You can't spend it golfing. I'm sorry. And I said, that's a, Prudential judgment, and I have a general categorical uh, preclusion on this channel 
against making prudential judgments. But that one is so clear, so categorical that I'm comfortable saying it. When your kids are young or living in the house, not even that young, when they're old enough to get out of the house, fine. But any younger than 18, you need to be spending your time with your kids. And then, you're, and you need to be virtuous. And men, you have to be off the porn. I just, do I have to say this? Seems so obvious. Yes, I do. So many of the, even the trad men are on the porn. You got to get off the porn. At the same time, your wives have to be, the kind of all has to transition to patriarchy in the household at once. The wives have to say, my whole job is, I'm your handmaiden. What do you need me to do? I'm not going to tell you secretly what I want you to need me to do. I see a lot of that in trad households. You need to lead the prayer, kicking them under the table. No, let him lead. He needs to lead. You need to just, I'm here. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Yes, that does mean the conjugal debt, by the way. Whatever you want me for, I'm here for it. As long as it's not mortally sinful. The, the Puritans are having seizures in the corner because I said that. As long as it's not mortally sinful, wives are there to help husbands in all ways. Help them to homeschool the way the husband wants. And the husband has to have a vision. Help him to run the household the way he wants. I'll tell Steph, like, let's skip the laundry today. And let's, let's play video games. You're kind of sick. Steph's on her 37th cold of the year. <laughs> Stop doing laundry. I'll do it. I want it done at some point, but not when you're sick. Stop doing laundry. Come, come take a nap with me. Come play video games with the kids. Let's watch a movie. Right? She says, oh, okay, cool. Well, if you want me to do this, I guess I'll do it this way. I think it's funny because I think a lot of people um, have thought that like our relationship is just you constantly telling me what to do. Now, you have the right to do that. So some marriages who work that way, it's like, yeah, that's. That's that's fine. The husband can tell you what to do, but you really rarely, if ever, have like laid down a law and said, this is what's going to be happening today. For all the shit talk I hear from other Catholics who have strong, independent, powerful wives, I'm like, well, I don't want a strong or an independent or a powerful wife. Instead, my wife is beautiful and she's genius. I mean, and just so industrious. So what I'm always telling you is please chill out. Now, you're not a busybody in the sense that you're always home, but you're always working on something. Writing a book, right? Writing the just the sources uh, version of that book. When I was too sick of writing Case for Patriarchy and helping you edit Ask Your Husband, I didn't want to look at it again. You're like, no, we need to get this done. You, Steph goes to work. She just, what'd you write? The, the, uh, the workbook for Catholic couples. Yeah. I'll come up here. She's up here doing that if the kids are outside playing or down for a nap. Getting new recipes, cooking. What did you do? Putting the wainscoting on the house. This is a workhorse, a beautiful workhorse here, but a workhorse all the same. I'm like, just come spend time with me. I want the attentions of this beautiful woman. And then she's always like, okay, cool. That's cool. But this is someone I have to calm down. Okay, let's let's chill. I just come out and watch me and the girls and, and, and the boy do these basketball drills. Just let's have fun. And, and she loves that, and she loves to play video games. This is the best Donkey Kong Country player you've ever met. I mean, she, she's really got very, stuff. very seriously. <laughs> Old school Super Nintendo. Old school so. Super Nintendo. Um, so we have a Super Chat question, and thank you, by the way, sir, Sir Gordon. Um, did JP2 approve or set up the FSSP as an alternative to SSPX to draw those folks away? If it was successful, couldn't Rome crush the TLM by shutting down what JP2 approved by design? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was 1988. Yeah, you're going to get, the, speaking of people having seizures, you get people having seizures anytime this comes up. It's just a matter of fact. It's bone dry. It's bone dry. The corpse is cold, friends. It was 1988. SSPX was in functioning in, in full, regular, canonical, good status with the church. And then Archbishop Lefebvre ordained four bishops after he'd been ordered not to. Boom. Then the, the trouble began overnight. And actually, it, you see his letters to JP2 and Ratzinger. His tone changes suddenly a few months before he defies them about that. But okay, so that's, that is what it is. But SSPX was a perfectly good society for 18 or 19 years in fully good standing before 1988. And then, no, in 1988, FSSP said, look, we, we have no problems with the Vatican II documents. Just Rome. We, we do have a problem with Rome, but we're going to say this to Rome to be nice. We have a little problem with Rome, but JP2 is letting us do the Latin Mass. So, yes, attacks on FSSP are, are, as a matter of historical fact, driving people back to SSPX. The weird thing, what I've never gotten in all of this, and it's, it's a boring topic. I, I, I'm not interested in SSPX. I'm sincerely not. You know I'll touch hot, hot to touch, hot to hold hot to handle topics, but this is just, this is a boring one. It's a dead letter. What I've never gotten is Ecclesia Dei allowed Catholics in that letter to go to SSPX. Now they said most Catholics that go will adhere to a formal spirit of schism, so why let them go? I don't get it, but they do. So I don't know what's going to go on with SSPX after FSSP and ICK and all the other little Ecclesia Day institutes are gone. Holy Monday. I do not know. And I don't really care either. It doesn't really affect me. But it affects you if you go to SSPX. I have a lot of friends that go. It affects you. I mean, I, I care a lot about FSSP and ICK and diocesan TLMs being removed. That's what I care about. I don't really care one way or the other about SSPX. Most of you are either SSPX or SSPX adjacent on one hand, or you hate them on the other hand. I'm kind of like, I think they're less relevant than all of you do. A position or B position. I think they're way more irrelevant. I could do a show on it, but then I'm contradicting my stated position, which is irrelevance. That's why I don't weigh in so much. But I don't hate them. I don't love them. I, I definitely think they quack a lot more like me, act a lot more like me, have a lot more to get along with than with them than Pope Francis. I mean, they basically live the same kind of life as me. Aside from there's this spirit that this show tries to inculcate. Of, even though I've got this defiant spirit, I'm always like obedience. Obedience. Unless you're allowed to raise Canon 87. You're allowed to raise it. You're supposed to raise it because we have a good constitution in the church. Do it then. And yeah, you'll sound, I, I say things about Pope Francis that don't sound obedient, but I'm always saying be obedient to what the church says you have to be obedient to. And it gets too tangled. It's too much of a tangled web once you go too far off the path, in my view. But I have lots of friends that go to society chapels. I don't hate them by any stretch. You don't hate your own friends. And I acknowledge that obviously these are people that get it when it comes to liturgy. I just don't think they fully get it when it comes to what are the conditions for the possibility of, dis of disobeying 
a leader that has universal jurisdiction. SSPX always, they just have a tremendous amount of cognitive dissonance. If you obey a monarch that has a universal jurisdiction, you don't get to say, ha, 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 Rome said you guys have to do that. We don't. Now, um, SSPV and the set of Vicontis, they can say that without, I'm not saying they're right, but I'm saying they can say it and they're philosophically coherent. They can say, well, we can disobey this because it's a false church apparatus since 1958. We're obeying the last true church apparatus, which was 65 years ago. 1958. So they're philosophically coherent according to their own premises, even if those premises are incorrect, which said of a contest, 1958. I'm pretty sure they're incorrect. There's no way to be certain at this point until later. But SSPX is like, no, no, no. That church is not a false church. That church holds universal jurisdiction. Okay. Well, then if they say to jump, you have to say how high with the, with the disciplines, at least. That's, that's where I'm like, SSPV, or, uh, SSPV is philosophically coherent with regard to the doctrines involved in a way that SSPX is not. And that's not an endorsement of either. I'm just saying when you listen to someone like Diamond or any of those guys, it's a conditional claim. If the church is truly as bad as after 1958, after 1960, as both SSPX and SSPV say? Well, if it's that bad, and some of the other preconditions laid down by Sedevacontists are true, then Sedes would be right, not not SSPX. But again, this is why I I don't wade into these waters because I don't care much. I don't think either of them are, are right. I just know that categorically, according to the conditional claim, set out by SSPV and the more extreme set of a contest proper, they're actually right according to their own premises. It's just that that first conditional premise, I think, is wrong. We have some super, super chats, too. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Sorry. Just getting my mic on here. Um, uh, let's see. We have some super chaps. Uh, would it be legal to hold the TLM in a parking lot to circumvent the use of Paris Church's uh, portion of the letter from Roche? I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. Um, you can have, I think private masses are always licit. How large can it be? Can it be outdoors? And still qualify as private. I don't know. Those are the those are the relevant questions to ask. How large can a private TLM be and still qualify as private? Because I know there are some that I can go to. Okay, I, you know people people. I have the lovely lifestyle accoutrements of people say, "Hey, Tim, do you and your family want to join this private TLM?" I can always do that. I mean, not every week. I don't get that offer, but particularly after Holy Monday, I already have some some. Uh, conditions, conditional offers precedent, conditions precedent. Hey, if this happens, come here with friend priests and things like that. So it's a good question. I'm not certain how large a mass, a liturgy can be and still qualify as private. Something to ask. I don't know it offhand. 
Okay, um, next one from Andrew. A man who has a wife that is done with anything not holy, what movies do you watch when there's so much crap and she doesn't want to watch anything? So the question is just, what do you want? Well, everything you watch doesn't have to be quote-unquote holy. Um, it, the church has always operated on what is not specifically proscribed is permitted. It's not the other way around, my friend. It's not whatever is not permitted explicitly by name is proscribed, okay? That's a big, big difference. Imagine going to the grocery store and your mom gives you uh, the, the following list. You may get anything at the store by 15 items. You may get anything aside from these three items. You could buy 15 items. A mom would never give her son a, li- a grocery list like this. You can have these, you can get 15 items, anything in the store you may purchase aside from these three items. You can basically buy whatever you want aside from three items. Whereas the normal shopping list is much more restrictive. A mom will say, go to the grocery store, buy these three items. That's, you have no choice there, basically. When Catholics, particularly trads, box themselves in by entertainment, I mean, books they read, movies they watch, games they play, participation in sports by either playing or watching. They, I hear a lot of really illogical, irrational thinking that goes, what's not explicitly endorsed by the church is forbidden. That's just not true, okay? The, whatever game... Jesus of Nazareth, as a schoolboy, whatever his friends played, uh, it wouldn't be soccer. It's not that old a sport. Whatever, whatever game was being played by the little schoolboys in Jesus' school, let's call it Flonkerton in honor of the, of the office. <laughs> Jesus would have played Flonkerton. He would have flonked. Okay? That, it, flonkerton, whatever, sports, games... Movies, music are not all sacred. Most of them are not. They're not sacred endeavors. They are pastimes. They help you pass the time. You pray. Hopefully you fast. I'm fasting Wednesdays and Fridays, black fast. I do that all year long, but I'm more strict about things like coffee in the morning when it's a Lenten black fast, Wednesdays and Fridays. I, acknowledge, I, I, I urge you all to do the same. Fast on Wednesdays and Fridays if you can. I, and I pray and I fast and I observe holy days of obligation and I uh, attempt to go to confession frequently and I attempt to go to adoration when possible. I need to do first Saturdays again. Um, it's been a while. When I, if I want to engage in a game of Flonkerton, or watch on television a game of Flonkerton, I acknowledge this has nothing to do with the church. Now, it gets more complex watching movies because there's so much explicit messaging, but it's more like Pope Benedict was very explicit. He's like, actually, Da Vinci Code is something most Catholics should stay away from. And the church has uh, an index, historically, of books it doesn't want you to read. And it doesn't do this so much anymore, so you have to use a little bit of prudence. But the list was never that long. 
there will be bad stuff in movies you have to use your judgment for. We never, ever, ever will let our kids watch anything with any even insinuated sex in it. But this doesn't mean they don't watch the whole movie. There are sites that Steph goes to and they say, where's the sex scene? We make them go out two minutes before the scene and come back in afterwards. We're not Puritans when it comes to violence. Movie violence is kind of entertaining and cool. Sorry. And, and you know, the kids, especially if it's getting the bad guys, you know, Die Hard. What, what annoys me about the movie Die Hard, which we do use as a Christmas movie, is how many times he passes that locker with the oh, yeah, topless the, girls. Yeah. He passes it like four times. Yeah. And that's very annoying and that's very subversive by folks who run Hollywood, let's say that. It's very subversive by the Hollywood elites. And it, it pisses me off. Because, yeah, my, my boy loves, Gaby loves him killing the terrorists, shooting them up. You know, he knows I have lots of guns. I love guns. I love gun culture. I love red-blooded John McClane. yippee That's great for a young boy, and even the young girls like it. I just don't do the smut. So you have to make these decisions for your own family. But you're going to have a much, much less charmed life, I, says I, this is my prudential judgment, if you have the philosophy, if you harbor, operate the philosophy, what is not explicitly endorsed by the church is proscribed instead of what is not prescri- explicitly proscribed by the church is allowed. I have the latter. A lot of trads I've noticed have the former. And to me, it doesn't make any sense. But that's a decision you have to make. It will be a more charmed life. There will be more bonding possible between you and your family if you can do some more fun stuff. You can't. We were not built to pray 24 hours a day. Our knees, our knees tell us. Our teleology, our anatomy, our natural design. Our knees are not built you should pray on your knees when you can. I'm not saying every time you pray you have to be on your knees, but that kind of shows you. You could pray, and then you need to go play. You need to have a pastime. Prayer is not something you do as a pastime, to just pass the time away. Prayer is something you should be deliberate about. You should have an attack plan. We should be doing this as a family. You know, prayer before meals. Other, More prayer besides that per day, besides, but... I see too many trads trying to do church, sacraments, sacramentals, prayer, fasting, like they're fun, and they're not. They're part of justice, giving to God what's his, the obligation. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy parts of them. If we have to do gardening work on a Saturday morning, me and my family, we go do it. We enjoy it to the extent we can. Planting flowers is fun. Edging and lawn mowing is not. But all of it's sort of an obligation even the sort of fun parts. We get it out of the way, then we go do something fun for the day. I see more trads being led matriarchally by unwitting feminists who don't even know it, not by fathers. And this, I think, arises a lot when a woman is running your family. I think they're trying to be good. They don't have the apparatus to run a family, women. And so I think in a lot of feminist-run households, they tend to operate on this inverse version of the Roman Catholic aphorism. What is not proscribed is allowed. Instead of doing that, what is not explicitly endorsed by the church is proscribed. You have to see what I'm saying here. 
Think about it. Pray on it. I, I, I urge more leniency in this direction. Just no leniency with sex stuff. Blasphemy is tough because they put they take the Lord's name in vain in so many movies, in everything. I don't take personal accountability for that, right? I don't remember every place they, they say GD or, or just even G dash dash in vain. I don't like it. The kids know this is the one word you can say and it's a, it's a mortal sin, right? You can mortally sin with language by telling your father, I will not obey you. Or your mother, I will not obey you. That's a mortal sin. A lot of lies are mortal sins. Taking God's name in vain is the only one word blasphemy. If it's vanity. Saying shit or whatever. That's, that's, not, that's not a mortal sin. You're not moral sinning. That's a politeness issue. Right? But, yeah. I don't like the, the uh, blasphemy in films. But I don't take accountability for that. Now, we do take accountability for the sex being shown in films and we find a way to figure it out before we show a film and we, we don't follow the rating system that much if it's a good movie we watch it Super 8 amazing film just watch that with the family and everyone loves it it's a little scary a little gory had the kids cover their eyes at a couple parts but that's a beautiful movie very very non-Masonic very non-Luciferian anti-Luciferian movie Okay, God bless you all. I don't know why I'm talking in this direction, but I, I enjoyed this little screed in a tangential direction at the end of today's three <laughs> LifeSite article episode. I like LifeSite so much. triumvirate of LifeSite articles. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. Thank you, LifeSite. They, they do such good work. God bless you all. Des Volt. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb.